Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. All right, well, today we're starting a brand new series, and it is entitled, you would have never guessed, it's entitled Guardrails. All right, now, now here's how we, we, we uh, ended up with this series. Um, I asked Johnny Varekin, who's going to be speaking next weekend, I said, Johnny, I want you to come and, and do a couple of, of uh, weekends for us. And he said, look, he said, I, I preached this series in my church. He said, actually, he said, he and Andy Stanley put this series together entitled Guardrails. And he said, I think it would just be an awesome, awesome series for us to do together. And so we looked at it, and he's going to do a few of them. I'm going to do a few of them. And uh, we're going to be presenting this series. And, and I believe that it's going to be a tremendous help to all of us. You know, in the natural, a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous and off-limit areas. You know, we, we drive by them and we don't even see them. We were coming back from Cadillac on Friday, Jeannie and I, and, and we're going by guardrails. And I, I'm just thinking, man, I don't even, you know, you go by them, you don't even know they're there. And, and when you do, you're like, you know, I'm never going to need one of those. Or at least you hope you're never going to need one. All right. But if you ever do, you're really, really glad that they're there. All right. Now, <clears throat> guardrails are put in areas all right, where there's a, a, a change in direction, right, where they're put in an area where you could go over a cliff. But now the thing about a guardrail is this. A guardrail is not in the danger area. All right. The danger is on the other side of the guardrail. Right? And the idea of the guardrail is you're going to hit this and you're not going to fall off the cliff on the other side of the guardrail. Right? So the guardrail is before you get into this extremely dangerous position. Right? Now, we're going to talk about some guardrails and our hope is this. All right? this, is, this is our goal. All right? That the result of this is that all of us are going to make better decisions Right? So that we will live with fewer regrets. But during this series, spiritually our guardrail, we're gonna, this is our definition. All right? A personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. So your guardrail may be a little different than somebody else's. All right? Now some of these are in the Bible and if you're a Christian, this ought to be your guardrail. Right? And when you come to the guardrail, not when you go over the cliff, but at the point where you hit that guardrail, there ought to be sirens going off. There ought to be lights flashing, all right? And, and you ought to be going, man, I am in a danger zone. And by the way, these are all through the Bible, right? For example, in the book of Proverbs, it says, get wisdom, get understanding. And it says, don't forsake her, she'll preserve you, all right? Love her, she'll keep you. In Proverbs 2, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. They'll preserve you. They'll keep you from going over the cliff, all right? If you were to look at your life and think about the thing that you regret the most, right? If you had had some sort of a guardrail, something that protected you from getting to that point, right? You, you would be living with less regret today, right? Some of us can think back and we, we, we would just say that we would say single people should never, right? Just decide they're going to cuddle and spend the night. Single people should never do that, all right? And you can say married people should never, all right? 
And we should say, people should never do this with their money. They should never have 10 credit cards and pay one off with another. And just keep paying your bills with your credit card. You should, you should never do that, right? And parents might be saying, you know, as a parent, you might say, you know, parents should never let their kids go over and spend the night at somebody else's house without knowing about that family because you never know what's going to happen. You know, if we had some guardrails, we could be protected from things. Now, in our culture, all right, there, there, there are few if any guardrails. In fact, our culture tends to think they're silly, they're legalistic, that, 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 that they're just to keep you from having fun. All right? Our, our, our culture says things like this. Drink responsibly. What does that mean? Does that mean don't spill? Does, 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 that, does, does that mean only drink a six-pack? Uh, does that mean don't drink before noon? I mean, what does that mean? Drink responsibly. That, that's not even a yellow line. All right? And then we say things like this. We say, you know, don't have sex until you're ready. What does that mean? Are you ready? <laughs> will, will you be ready next week? Somebody said, I was born ready. You know, I, so, so what does that, what, that is not a guardrail, all right? That, 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 that's not a yellow line, all right? But that, that's where our culture is. You know, in our culture, we say, talk to your kids about drugs. Well, okay, somebody said, I did, and it didn't work. You know, that, that is not a guardrail. And again, our culture doesn't want any. They, they're, they think they're restrictive. They're, they're legalistic. They're, they're silly. They're, they're religious. But everybody agrees that there is a point when it comes to drinking where you get in trouble, where it's irresponsible. All right? Everybody knows when it comes to money that, that if you don't have some sort of restraint you, are, you can get yourself in financial problems that will follow you for years and years to come, all right? And by the way, these guardrails, again, they're all over the Bible. Now, God relates to us like a father. And for some people, that's hard because they didn't have a, a good father, right? But God, he, the, the Bible says, how much more will not your father in heaven? Just like a good earthly father, he is so much more. He's perfect, all right? Now, in the natural, some of you can think about this. Your, your parents were like, you can't do that. You can't go over to their house. You, know? you, 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 you cannot go and hang around with those people. Your, your, your parents, they loved you, and, and they were trying to give you some guardrails to protect you. And again, it's the, the danger is not the guardrail. Right? The danger is when you go over the cliff on the other side of that guardrail, and it is there to protect you. Right now, when uh, Jeannie was 19 years old, she was working at the World's Fair in Spokane, Washington, and uh, her family lived 70 miles straight south in Palouse, Washington, and it's the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And Jeannie has always been a morning person, right, and not a nighttime person. Right? And and this is this is uh, when we got married. Um, until she became quite pregnant with, with Joshua a couple years later. Listen, at five o'clock, this is true, every morning, she would jump out of bed and dance around the bed. 
I am not, was not a morning person. <laughs> All right. But, but I, 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 I did see some advantages to that. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I better, better get over here <laughs> back into my notes. Okay. So, so she's not a, she was not a, a nighttime person. And at night she just, she just like either one of two things. She becomes totally crazy. All right. Like her brain is not getting enough oxygen or, or she just shuts down. All right. So, so she, she works at the, the World's Fair and uh, they, they, I think they close it down at nine o'clock and then she had to close down the exhibit and then, then she's driving home and it's late, all right? And, and she's about five miles from home and she's, I'm so tired, I should pull over, but I just got a few more miles, I'm gonna make it, all right? And she falls asleep, all right? And, and the, she, the, the, the car keeps going for a ways and there is a guardrail, all right? But, but she missed the guardrail. She, she went before the guardrail and went over the side of the mountain and rolled the car down the mountain. Now, here's what she wished. She wished that the guardrail had been about 15 or 20 feet longer because then it would have protected her, right? Now, when you hit a guardrail, how many know it can do some damage to your car? It might even do some damage to you. But the idea is this. The damage that's going to happen if you hit that guardrail is not anything compared to the damage that's going to happen if you don't hit that guardrail, right? Well, obviously, she rolled the car down the mountain, totaled out the car. She was fine. We met. And a year later, we got married. So I'm really glad the Lord took care of her. All right. So we're going to... We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning to just kind of introduce this concept of guardrails. It begins, Ephesians 5, 15, got a verse right here. It says, be very careful then how you live, how you walk your life, how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now it says, be very careful, right? And in, in the Greek, it is actually a command. All right, be careful. Now, now let me explain this to, to you by, by telling you that we have a dog, all right? Our dog's name is Tucker, right? And in the morning when we get up, Tucker goes over to the door and does her little stretch thing. And then she just sits there kind of, you know, and waits for you to open the door, all right? And she goes outside in the yard and, and, and she puts fertilizer in the yard, deposits some fertilizer, all right? And every morning, that's her little routine, okay? So if you come to my house and you say to me, oh, that is a beautiful garden down at the bottom of, of the hill. I'm gonna go down there and look at the raspberries. I'm gonna say to you, be careful, all right? Because if you are not careful, you are going to find some fertilizer. And it, you're going to step in that fertilizer and you are not going to be happy, right? You're going to have the smell of Tucker fertilizer all over you, right? So the command is be careful, right? How you live or how you walk, right? Because there's danger out there. And it says, don't be unwise, but be wise. Now, in the, in the Proverbs, that unwise person is called the fool. Now, this is who the fool is. I want you to listen. 
the fool is not a stupid person. Right? It's not that the fool does not understand. The, you, you say this to the fool. You say, you should not do that. Because if you do that, this is what's going to happen. And the fool says, yeah, but I don't care. I don't care. It's all going to work out. The fool's married. The fool's flirting with somebody at work. And you say to the fool, he says, don't do that. You're married. You're going to destroy. Your, you're going to, you are going to hurt your spouse. You're going to hurt your kids. And the fool says, yeah, it'll all work out. I know. I just don't care. That's who the fool is. Right? So the Bible is telling us, you're not stupid. You know that there's danger out there. I said, and it says, don't be the person who says, I know I'm just going to go ahead because it's all going to work out. Because everybody's doing it. You know, I, I, you know, this is the 21st century. Things are different. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to do it regardless of the consequences. It'll just all work out. Listen, it won't all work out. It won't all work out. Somebody said, well, the Lord will protect me. Listen, listen, listen. He will. He gives you guardrails. He says, don't go over here. Don't pass over this. There is danger. Be careful. Watch out where you're walking. Watch out how you're living because there is stuff out there. You step in it. You are going to regret it. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. All right? So use your time wisely. Be intentional. Don't be careless. Don't live like the fool who says, yeah, there's danger, but I'm just going to do it anyway. It's just all going to work out. All right? It says the days are evil. In, in Timothy, it says that in the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come. Rick Renner, Rick Renner has an expanded translation. I hope it's coming out very soon. He, he sent me part of it before, before it ever came out. And he does an expanded translation of this. This is how he, he, he translates this. He says that in the last days, perilous times, literally it says perilous decades will come. Each decade more perilous and dangerous than the one before. Right? And you look at the 60s and you go, man, that was bad. We had rebellion. But then the 70s were worse. And then we had the 80s and the greed. And then we had the 90s and the 2000s. And, and now, Lord have mercy, our culture has gone crazy. It's gone crazy. All right? Each one dangerous. Each one even more dangerous and more perilous than the one before. All right? So the Bible is telling us, you be careful. Understand. All right? You're living in perilous, dangerous times. All right? Now, on Sunday morning, almost every Sunday morning, uh, Jeannie and I get here. We get here about quarter to seven, and I spend a little time back in the green room. And then we go on up, and we have breakfast with a couple of the pastors, with some of the pastoral staff. All right? And uh, this morning, we were having breakfast up there. Some of the pastoral staff was there. And we were talking about this. We are talking about, look, we are living in perilous, dangerous, crazy times. And one of the pastors said, it was this week, he was online at home, lives in Cutlerville, and there's a pop-up comes up, right? And, and the pop-up is married women in Cutlerville who want to have sex with you. Click here. Listen, we didn't have that when I grew up. We should never have that. But, 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 but somebody says, this is church. You shouldn't say that. Look, if we do not address the issues that we have in our culture, 
that everybody's facing and that our young people are facing, where are they going to hear about it? I mean, it's crazy what we're living in. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So it says, you, you need to understand your times and understand. Therefore, don't be foolish. Don't be the person who says, I know there's danger, but it's all going to work out. You know, it's just the way things are nowadays. But understand, and again, this is a command, understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. Understand this command. Embrace it, accept it, face up to it, all right? And this is true when it comes to our money, our friendships, our relationships, our sexuality, right? Don't deceive yourself. It's saying no more games, all right? And, and here's, what I, here's what I see. And I have this happen all the time. People come up and they say, they, they, they literally say this. They say, Pastor, can I do this? People say, how far can I go? How far can I go? And, and, and in other words, they're, they're like, how close to that cliff can I possibly get? You know? Now, let me say this. As a Christian, that is absolutely the wrong question. And, and it makes me understand that you do not understand what salvation is, right? Now, we say lordship or he becomes your king. But let me take you back to Genesis for just a second here. Genesis chapter 3, God puts Adam and Eve in the beautiful garden, eat of all the trees except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And here's really what this means. That tree is where you no longer let God decide what's right and what's wrong. It's where you decide what's right and what's wrong. Right? Becoming a Christian is putting all of the decisions in your life in Jesus' hands and saying, Jesus, you decide what's good and you decide what's evil. Right? And not being a Christian is literally saying, Jesus, you decide, you no longer decide, I decide what's good and I decide what's bad. When you become a Christian, it's no longer up to you to decide what's right and what's wrong. You surrender that to him, right? And what got Adam and Eve in trouble in the beginning was when they decided to decide what was good for them and what was bad for them. God said, don't do it. And they said, no, we're going to do it because this looks good, right? And Christianity is surrendering our will. He becomes our king. How many know he is the king? The Bible says he's the coming king. He's Lord of lords and king of kings. All right. So verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Now, in, in, in to, to, to have full disclosure here, I just want to tell you a couple of things, all right? First of all, I was brought up in a home where there was no alcohol at all, all right? But when I became 18, it was legal for an 18-year-old to drink alcohol. And I immediately did not use alcohol. I immediately abused alcohol, all right? And did until I got saved a couple of years later, all right? Now, what I did see in my, my family was, the, in my extended family, was the abuse of alcohol. Right? But when Jeannie, so when Jeannie and I got engaged, we made a decision that we were not going to have alcohol in our home. 
right? Now, I do not believe it is a sin to drink a beer. I do not believe it is a sin to have a glass of wine. But sometimes it's not wise, right? It's not wise, but it is not a sin, right? So I just wanted to put that out there, right? Now, what I, what I believe about alcohol has been reinforced through the years. Here's what has never happened to me, right? And I, I've been in full-time ministry for over 41 years. Never has one person come up and said, oh, my wife and I, we were having so much problems with our marriage. And then we started drinking and getting drunk, and now everything's wonderful. <laughs> you say, why, 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 why are people laughing? Because they know that's the truth. Right? But let me tell you what I have seen a hundred times. I've seen the opposite, where alcohol causes problems in a marriage. All right? So... Don't get drunk on wine, it says, which leads to debauchery. Now, how many debaucheries are here? All right. You said, I thought debaucheries was a cheese. No, it's not. All right. And (laughs) so, so here's what it's saying to the Christian. It says, don't get drunk because it's foolish. It's unwise. It's irresponsible. Now, over in Corinthians, it says these will not inherit the kingdom of God, and it mentions drunkards. But debauchery, this is the definition of debauchery, extreme indulgence that leads to a loss of control. Extreme indulgence that leads to a loss of control. And it can be a loss of control when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to money, when it comes to sex or food and whatever it is, but it leads to a loss of control. Now, one of Jeannie's ancestors is named Everardus Bogardus, right? (laughs) Quite the name. Now, in 1642, you can find this on the internet, whole story is on the internet. In 1642, he is pastor in what is now New York City on Pearl Street. And he is the pastor of the Dutch Reformed Church. And his stepdaughter gets married. And they have a reception afterwards. And people get tipsy at the reception. And Pastor Everardus Bogardus... (laughs) does a fundraiser for the new church. And he starts taking pledges. And people start out pledging each other. And it becomes a contest. Now, the next day, it says, many of the congregation were very mad because of the pledge that they had made. All right? And what had happened, they had lost control, right? And they made pledges they shouldn't have. But uh, but then it goes on, it says, but the church was built. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Scott, who's a, Pastor Scott, wave at everybody. People, he doesn't want to wave, all right. Pastor Scott, from time to time, uh, works with with Uber. How many know what Uber is? You know, the the taxi service, online taxi service, all right? So, like on a Friday night or a Saturday night, he'll go downtown and, and just wait and get people pick people up. Um, He's got a story every week, I'm telling you, all right? This was his story like like two weeks ago, all right? 
right? So, so he gets the call, he goes, and he picks up this first lady, all right? And she gets in the car, and she looks at him and goes, oh, you are hot. <laughs> you know, are you married? You know? And then the, the other one gets in, and she looks at him and says, oh, she said, I have not had sex in six months, and can we? You know where it's going, don't you? All right. Now, now listen to me. Listen to me. She would not have done that on Monday morning. Okay? She became a totally different person. The Bible says she became a debauchee. All right? She got into extreme behavior, and she lost control. You know, her, her, the safeguards, listening to your conscience. You know, when, when, when you're drunk, you don't do it. You don't do it. You don't hear that voice, right? And, and you're doing things that you would never normally do. So, so last service, I ended it right there. Not the service. And Scott, before he got out of service, on his phone was like, what happened next? 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 All right. So here's what happened next. He invites him to church. He says, I'm a pastor. All right? And they're like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, 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 and he invites him to, he invites him to church. But, but that is a description of what debauchery is. Now, I know some of you, why are we talking about this in church? Because this is where we live. This is where our society is today. All right? And you say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't have problems with that. Listen, the church is not a place where perfect people get together. The church is supposed to be a hospital for people that are sick. Jesus said, it's not the well that need a physician, but it's the sick. All right? All right. So we're, we are living there. So it says, don't be drunk. Don't lose control. And, and you've heard people say this. I just couldn't help myself. What happened? See, they got to that place. They got to that place. All right. And, and anywhere that we lose control, whether it's with our money, whether it's morality, whether it's with our friendships, wherever it is, we need to have guardrails. Right? And the Bible is telling us anytime that you overindulge in alcohol, it says it leads you to debauchery. Right? And it says, don't get there. Don't get there. Again, having a drink is not a sin, right? but getting drunk is. And debauchery can ruin your life. You can do something in 20 minutes that you will regret the rest of your life. All right? So don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't see how close we can get to that, that line, but just the opposite. Be as filled with the Spirit of God as we possibly can. Now, I want to just end with an illustration from the Scripture. In Genesis chapter 19 is this story. And, and I say it's a story. This is, this is actual fact. This is, this is what happened. Right? Abraham is traveling to the land that God called him to, and he has his nephew with him. And his name is Lot. And the day comes when they have so much stuff they can't even seem to live together. And so they separate. And Lot goes down into now what would be the, the, the northern part of the valley where the Dead Sea is. Right? And the Bible says at that time it's like the Garden of Eden. 
Right? But at the bottom end of that valley, there's two cities. There's the city of Sodom and the city of Gomorrah. And the Bible says that the people of these two cities, they are extremely wicked before the Lord. But the Bible says this about Lot, that he, he starts out quite a distance from the city, but then he goes and he pitches his tent towards Sodom. In other words, he, he's like, I want to stay away from there. But he gets comfortable where he is, and then he gets a little closer. And then he gets comfortable, and he gets a little closer. And then finally, he's living inside the city. Right? And, and God sends two angels down to rescue Lot and his family. Now, God has come down. He's going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? So these two angels go into the city, and Lot meets them and takes them to his house. And then the Bible says the men of the city surround the city, the city, the, city, the, the house where they are, and they say, Lot, send those men out because we want to have sex with those men. The angels strike them with blindness. Now, here's what the Bible says about Lot. It says that his righteous soul was vexed by the wicked conduct of the people that he saw. So he's living inside of him, and, and, and every day he sees things, and on the inside, he's cringing. How many of you, you have some of that going on? You look at our society, and you see things that people are saying, and things that people are doing, and you just on the inside, you're going, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Right? And then it says this in 2 Peter. It says, and delivered, this is what God did, he delivered righteous lot. He delivered righteous life. So the Bible calls him righteous, all right? And it says when he saw what was going on, that it vexed his righteous soul. He was bothered, all right? So the angels get him, his family out, and actually the Bible says his wife looked back. His wife, his, her heart was in that city. It says when she looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. And they escape up into the mountains, and they're living in a cave, all right? And this is what happens. The firstborn said to the younger, our father's old, and there is no man on earth to come into us. This is the custom in all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine. We'll lie with him that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drunk with wine. And that night the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he didn't know when she lay down or when she arose. And the next night the younger did the same. Righteous lot. Got drunk and when righteous people get drunk, they do unrighteous things. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine because it leads to debauchery. It leads to debauchery. And that is exactly what happened to the man that the God delivered from a wicked city because he was bothered by the things that he saw every day. Right? God delivered him because he was righteous. But yet... When he got drunk, he did ungodly things. And by the way, his two sons became the father of the Ammonites and the Moabites. The people today that are the problem in the Middle East that are trying to destroy Israel are the sons, great, great, great grandsons of Lot. Right? But what happens to a righteous person? Righteous people do unrighteous things. Right? So the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, right? which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? And I want every one of you just to consider your life. 
in this area? And do you have some guardrails that are going to keep you from going over the cliff? I could tell you story after story after story after story of people that I know, that Jeannie and I know, that they, they got drunk and they just did things that today they look back and they go, it was the stupidest thing I ever did. Some of them, it cost their marriage, it cost their family, cost them their finances, cost them their reputation, right? Don't be drunk with wine. Don't see how close you can go. Right? See how filled with the Spirit we can be. All right. Would you please bow your heads for just a moment? Again, nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, the Bible tells us this, that good people aren't the people who go to heaven. Not perfect people, but forgiven people go to heaven. That everyone is welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. And every single person can meet the requirements. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can ever come to the Father except through me. That means that all of my efforts to get right with God will not work. And all of your efforts to reach out to God will not work. There's just one way for you to have forgiveness and for you to be right with God. And that's through Jesus. So Jesus said you must be born again. And that means that you need to give him all of your heart and all of your life. He's not a thief to steal it. He's not a manipulator to take it. And we need to consciously give him all of our heart and all of our life. And if you're here today and you're not where you should be with God, you're away from the Lord or you've never surrendered your life to him, then I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand. I'm going to count to three. You're going to lift your hand. We're going to pray. And God is going to meet you right here. And when we say amen, you're going to be forgiven. Your past will be gone. You're going to be right with God. The first thing that happens today is you're lifting your hand. Is you're saying this to God. You're saying, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, you're saying, God, today, I am giving Jesus all my heart and all my life. I'm going to live for him. Two, now get ready. As you lift your hand, you're saying, today, by faith, I am receiving Jesus. He's going to come into my heart. He's going to blood wash me from my sin. I'm going to be forgiven. My past is going to be gone. I'm going to be a part of his family on my way to heaven. Three, lift it up. Lift it up. Say, pray with me. I'm not right. I see that hand and that hand. Are there others? Thank you. God bless 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 you. In the back, two hands in the back. Up in the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Others, include me, Pastor. Include me. I'm not right. I want to get right. All right. Now I'm going to ask everybody to stand. But if you lifted your hand, I want you to look right at me. If I want you to do, if you're in the balcony, this is for you too. If you move to the aisle that's nearest you and make your way down here, bring the person you came with, bring your purse, bring whatever you need. But if you lifted your hand, come right down here. God is going to meet us today when we pray. And when we say amen in just a moment, your path, it is going to be gone. 
you're going to be right with God. If you're in the balcony, you make your way down. We're going to wait for you. We're going to pray. God is going to meet you today. And when you, when this prayer is over, it's going to be a new life, a new future, the greatest decision that you have ever, ever made. Awesome. Awesome. Keep coming. Keep coming. Hey, hey. Awesome. Awesome. This is your day. All right. Now, I wanted to just talk to you about one verse of scripture, right? Because this is not based on what I say, and this isn't based on what you feel. This is based on what God says, right? This is Romans 10, verse 13. God can't lie. He can't. Here's what he said. He says, whosoever, that means you, right? This will work for you. It doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. This is gonna work. And this is what it says to do. Call, we'll call on the name of the Lord. Now we're gonna call on his name the way the Bible tells us to, all right? And I'm excited because I did this 43 years ago and I know exactly what's gonna happen. This, your life is gonna be totally, totally different, right? And this is what, this is, this is the last, this is the promise in that verse. From the balcony, thank you for making it down. All right, this is God's promise. We'll be saved. We say amen, you're forgiven. Your past is gone. You're a part of his family. You're on your way to heaven. All right? Now, would you take one hand, put it over your heart. And everybody, would you take one hand, put it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven with us, and let's, let's all pray this together. If you're up here, just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. He defeated the devil and he defeated sin. And I receive him today as my king. I give him all of my heart. I give him all of my life. I'm going to live for him. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer. That you blood washed me from my sin. My past is gone. I'm your child today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.